Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Um, and uh, Chevy Chase was the main character, and his name was Clark Griswold. And Clark uh, is a family man who wants to take his family on a cross-country road trip to Wally World, which is kind of like Disney World, right? It was out in California. And along the way, they get into a whole bunch of crazy shenanigans, like disasters happen. It's, it's really a hilarious movie. But tucked deep inside this movie is actually a lesson, an important principle that I think if we can grab a hold of it, uh, we'll understand not only what Jesus is saying, but that it's going to actually free us and show us a path that is, that is different than what we're, um, what we're used to. So if, you see, if you've seen the movie, you'll remember a scene where Clark is driving down the highway on this road trip and his whole family is sleeping. And, uh, and they're all napping, and he's just driving along, and then this woman drives up in a red Ferrari. Uh, her name was Christy Brinkley. If you're from the 80s, you know, she was a supermodel at the time, and that's not her name necessarily in the movie, but, you know, the point is that she drives up, and Clark is kind of sitting in the car, and music starts playing, and they make eye contact, the two of them do, and he starts, you know, daydreaming and fantasizing about another life, you know. He's thinking, wow, this is, that lady's hot. She's got an awesome car. Whoa would it be like? And he's kind of like thinking, I have my wife in the car here, and she's sleeping, probably drooling a little bit, and, and her, her, his kids are in the back, and he's driving this green station wagon, family truckster, whatever, and, uh, and, and just this moment takes place where he starts to daydream. And, uh, and then later on in the movie, the same thing happens where they're at a rest stop, and uh, you know, he's eating a sandwich, and he kind of walks over to a tree, and he sees her pumping gas or whatever, and she's like, you know, kind of like dancing around. It's this really ridiculous sort of 80s moment that you see in these movies. Uh, and so that's kind of where the movie leads. But then eventually, what started as just these sort of looks and as these um, sort of daydreaming fantasy moments really kind of comes to this one moment in, in the movie where they end up at a motel and the lady is in, the, uh, in, in the, the restaurant and he starts talking to her and they end up both in the pool together, like naked in the pool, like swimming together, like while his wife and kids are up in, in the hotel room. Many of you guys have seen this. You remember this scene. But just before, uh, just before he jumps into the pool, like he's taking his clothes off, and then he sits there in this moment of almost like where his brain finally catches up to everything else that's going on, and he goes, this is crazy, this is crazy, and then he jumps in the water. And it's interesting because that moment, I think, is exactly what Jesus is about to say to us in, in this passage of Scripture that we're going to read in Matthew chapter 5. And, and here's what it is. Let's read Matthew 5, 27 to 30. And we're going to start with just the first two verses. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And obviously, you know, in Jesus's time, he was talking primarily to men, but this applies to both sexes, okay? So just like Clark Griswold was wondering in this moment, how the heck did I get here, right? In his mind, probably flashing back, like, I just thought she was pretty. Like, that's all he's thinking, probably, right? I just, I'm just driving along. How did I get here? And if you're asking yourself the question of, well, how the heck am I in danger of adultery? What we're really saying here is Jesus is saying is that adultery begins in the heart. He's saying that, like, like most people, you know, who have had an affair probably have that moment where they're like, how did this happen? 
I look back at the destruction that has taken place in my marriage and the things that are affecting my life now because of this decision, and they think, how, how did I get here? How did this happen? And it never starts with, like, it wasn't just like all of a sudden one day you woke up and decided you were going to sleep with someone else. It's one look, right? One moment, one lapse of judgment, and we can all end up in the pool with someone we're not supposed to be there with. But Jesus is saying that lust is what blooms into adultery. He's talking about something greater than just the act, right? And even more than that, Jesus teaches us that lust and adultery are the same thing. Listen to that verse again. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus is saying, overwrite your thinking here. Everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. So what he's saying is that it doesn't really matter if you touch that guy, you touch that girl. If you look at him or her in a lustful way, you're already guilty. You're already in the pool. That's what he's saying, right? And so this is really hard for us in our modern society. And part of the reason why I just wanted to sit down with you guys and talk today, because I, I believe that Jesus wants to challenge our assumptions today. And this is hard because it goes to almost the core of who we are as Americans, right? Now, I, I, don't, I don't mean that like in our Declaration of Independence that sexuality is built into that, okay? But what I am talking about is everywhere we go, we are saturated with, with sexuality. We are trained, we are raised as kids to grow up in a world where we see advertisements everywhere and we're taught to admire bodies, right? That's who we are, right? As, as, as Americans, like, we, we, we see advertisements, our TV shows, the movies we watch, the tabloids, on the news, in the mall. You know, I remember, I just remember when I was living in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we were uh, at Claire's on the upper level, and I was waiting outside on a bench, kind of, and my son Lincoln was only like maybe two or three or four at the time. He was little. And I remember him sitting there and looking down. You know how they have the, uh, the, the railings, but they have glass, so you can see the floor below. And we're sitting there, and Lincoln turns around, and he's looking down, and I'm just kind of wondering what he's staring at, and it's a Victoria's Secret model, like, standing there on, you guys know what I'm talking about, you go to the mall, and Victoria's Secret's got, like, posters of the women in their underwear, right, and they're the ones from the fashion show, like, they're, they're about as, like, as good as anyone's ever going to look in these items, right, and I'm sitting there, and I was just struck by it, that my four-year-old son doesn't know what he's looking at, because he's just, but he's drawn to that, and that's what we have all seen, right, you know, growing up, it's just everywhere, we go. And it's interesting because we make jokes in our marriages about hall passes. There's even a movie about it, right? It's like, oh man, like I would give you a hall pass with that girl or with that guy, right? Or we have celebrity crushes. These are things that we talk about, that we joke about in our marriages, you know? Like, like, oh man, who's your top three like celebrities that you think are really gorgeous? And if you, I mean, if the weird situation ever would come up, like I would let you, like, these are ridiculous conversations, but this is, this is normal, in America, right? These are the thoughts that we have. And here's an interesting statistic. I found this this week is that pornography is a $10 billion a year industry. Let that sink in for a second. $10 billion a year industry, right? That's porn. Our society is saturated with sexuality. And Jesus is telling us, and this is where he's about to like counter the thing. And here's the, here's the point that I think most of us live by or at least have heard. And I think if we're honest, there's a part of us inside that believes this because we've been taught this. And it's this, is that we've heard, right? Look, but don't touch, right? The idea of like, what's the big deal, right? I'm just, I'm just like, I can admire that lady. Man, she's gorgeous. I love my wife, right? 
or a guy, you know, same kind of thing. Like there's a movie, Magic Mike. I can't tell you how many ladies, Christian ladies who I know, who have the same kinds of, of oogling over guys, you know, on that movie, or who have an interest in seeing movies like Fifty Shades Darker, or they read uh, books about, you know, where there's a lot of like romance novels and sexuality, right? This is not just a guy thing, right? Like how many women have we heard who go, man, I love those abs on that guy, or there's those calendars with the firemen, you know? Like this is not just a guy problem, ladies. Like this is built into our society, into our culture, that we admire bodies, and, and, and the thought is, is that it's okay to look just as long as I don't touch. But Jesus is saying, that's a lie. He's saying, that's a lie. That is not true. He says, you've heard it said that as long as you don't sleep with another woman, you can oogle all you want. And he says, no. But I tell you instead that even if you look lustfully at that man or that woman, you've already done the same thing. Why? Why is Jesus challenging our culture standards and saying it's not okay? There are two reasons. The first is this. A lustful look distorts the value that God has given of that person, okay? So every single human being, every one of us has God-given value. We are made in the image of God. And when I look at a woman or when a woman looks at another man and thinks something like, 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 wow, like she's hot or he's gorgeous or, man, I'd like a piece of that, right? These are the things that people say and they think. What you're doing is you're devaluing somebody because you're objectifying something that is not yours to be taken. And here's why. Because God created that kind of a concept, sexuality and intimacy, to be created between a married couple. That's the system that has been set up. It's about intimacy. And here's what I mean. I wrote this down. Sex was created by God to be a 3D experience between a married couple that melds the body, the heart, and the soul. Okay? And so here's the thing is that when I look at a woman... And I go, man, that is a great butt. Or like, you know, some lady looks at guys and thinks about the abs or whatever it might be, okay? I'm not going to presume to know the mind of a woman. It's like a, a virtual black hole that I can't understand. But, but, but when you do that, what essentially we're doing is we're stealing something that does not belong to us. That woman or that man and that person, I'm trying, I'm basically taking something that's not mine. And you might think that you're admiring. Like, all I'm doing is admiring God's beautiful creation. And yes, women and men, like human bodies, are beautiful creations, and there's no denying that. But it was not meant to be oogled over. And, and the only reason that we're admiring is because there's something in our brain that says, I wish I had that, or I could touch that, or I could experience that. And the reality is that in God's word, that that concept is meant to be contained within a relationship that is, that is intimate, right? So I'm devaluing something, someone else, because I'm basically saying I want that and it's not mine. So the first reason that Jesus challenges our standards and says it's not okay was because looking lustfully at someone cheapens them and what sex ultimately was created for. We are devaluing what God has created. A lustful look distorts the God-given value of that person. But the second one is this, is that one look is never enough. The reality of it is, and this is the, the excuses I hear, even, even if it was okay, okay for us to admire someone's body, even if, we'll, let's just kind of pause that one there, even if it was okay for us to go, wow, she's really pretty, or, you know, wow, man, that guy's gorgeous, or whatever it might be, it's not like staring at a butt or a guy's abs or whatever is a one-time thing. It never is. It's, 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 it's never one look, you know. It's, it becomes a habit. One look, one oogle, one uh, becomes two, and then it becomes three, and it becomes four. And here's the pattern, and here's what Jesus knows, is that before long, you're not looking at your own spouse that way anymore. You know, when you're out on the street and you turn your head 
once, but then it becomes twice, and then you see another lady and another lady or another guy and another guy, and then whatever it might be. And now, before long, you start looking at your own spouse, and you're not looking at them. You're not oogling over your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend anymore. And then what happens is your brain begins to think, you know what? Like, man, I, I really wish that my wife or my husband looked like that. I really wish that I, that I could experience that or this person or that person. That's the danger that Jesus is drawing attention to here. It's never one look. It's never just an innocent because that's how we're wired. We are wired to look at people and to want and to desire. And what he's saying is that you have to be careful of that. Admiration ultimately becomes adultery in the heart. Now, again, this is not about condemnation. This is not about shame. I don't want anybody to feel like, like you know, um, like, like you're doing something horrible and that you're guilty and you're not welcome here. Because if I'm reading Jesus' words correctly, I think we're all guilty. Like that's kind of what I'm getting from it. When I read the words of Jesus, what I'm seeing is that he's, I know that I have done this. I know that I struggle with this. I know, particularly in seasons like summertime when there's less clothes on people's bodies, right? I mean, this is just, this is, I'm just being honest with you. And so I know that and that we're all guilty here, but he's not talking about one specific person in the room. He's talking to every one of us. And he doesn't want us to live in guilt. He doesn't want us to live in shame. He wants us to be free. And if this is something that you struggle with, if I've, what I've been saying to you um, is, is sounding like, okay, this makes sense. I hear what you're saying, but what do I do about it? Jesus is about to offer us some instruction and a path for us to walk to help find freedom and health in this area. And I just want to warn you that just like Jesus gets to the harder things, he's also not shy about giving his prescription, and they're usually pretty tough. All right, so, so let's read the whole passage, okay? Let's just kind of start from the beginning. He says in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, here's the standard, the cultural standard, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, listen to what I say from now on out, Jesus is saying, this is what you should believe. Everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in her heart, in his heart. And then he continues, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Now, that is a serious prescription, right? I mean, that is, that's crazy. Like, I couldn't imagine poking out my eye or cutting my hand off. That sounds extreme, and it also sounds painful, right? Like, Jesus, why would you, why would you want me to condemn myself to a life of only having one eye, and really, that's, I don't think that's what he's, I don't think he's saying one eye. He's like, if you have one eye and then you still have the problem, poke out the other one too. Like, it's clear that Jesus is not concerned about the vision of an eye or the, the ability to write with a hand or something, right? I don't think that's really what he's saying here. He's saying that the alternative is the destruction that awaits us if we keep walking the path. What kind of destruction? Jared, are you talking about hell? Like, that's kind of what we think of, right? Like, when we talk about, like, people who are new to our church maybe today, you're like, man, I came into service this day, and they're talking about adultery, and they're talking about fire and brimstone. No, that's not what we're talking about here, right? We just believe that in the words of Jesus, and this is the topic that came up. <laughs> so that's where we're at. But listen, this is what it is. Destruction of what? Of our relationships? If you cheat on your husband or your wife, your relationship is probably in a pretty, pretty sour spot, right? Destruction of your relationships. 
destruction of our values. We erode. The Bible talks in other places about when we willingly involve ourselves in things that are the, the sin, the Bible calls it, but the things, sin is just is the word that we give for the actions and the behaviors that essentially are against God's principles and design for how he created us to live. The more we do that, the Bible says that our consciences become seared. You know what I mean? It's like you become unrecognizable. So the destruction of our values, the destruction of our honor, and ultimately the destruction of our souls as we slide further and further into sin and further and further away from God. And he's saying that's, that's the worst possible outcome. The best place that any of us could be is right next to Jesus. And even though sometimes it's hard to live the lifestyle that Jesus has called us to, but the only reason it's hard is because most of us don't. The society that we live in is far from God. They don't live by his standards. They think that they're free because they can have sex with whoever they want. They think that they're free. I just read a statistic that, like, pornography, for example, is, is, uh, is accepted, is, like, considered normal and cool for, like, 25-year-old males, like, and 25-year-olds in general, females. Like, it's just a normal part. Like, it's not a big deal to have a party at someone's house and have porn just on the, on the screen, right? This is just normal. For example, another thing is, like, I've heard of families. This is crazy to me because I wasn't raised this way, but this is in some ways where our culture is families, moms, they're like kids who are grown going to strip clubs together. Like, this might sound nuts to you if this is not where you're from, but that's a lot of where people who are not, who have not been exposed to the reality of Jesus and the principles that he has called us to live by as human beings, the principles we were created for, when you don't have those things, you just sort of go down a rabbit hole and you start getting into things that we were never created for. And this is the reality of the world. And Jesus is saying, like, if you live that kind of lifestyle, there's all sorts of destruction that happens to you, the least of which is your bodies, but the most of which is your soul. You are far from God. You're separated, and you're living a lifestyle that is, that is miserable and doomed. So what I want to do is, real quickly, in the last few minutes that we have, I want to unpack two practical areas of attack that we see at the end of that scripture. So Jesus assigns, and he says, here is the prescription and I think there's two things that can really, um, really challenge us, two areas of attack that I think are important. And I, I just want to say again, I feel like this is so important. If you have missed the point, I am not talking about adultery. I'm not talking about like literally that step of that I had sex with a person who was not my spouse. That's not really what, that's the end. That's what Jesus started with. What we're talking about is how do we view sexuality and what is it that we are responsible for? How do we protect ourselves so that we can live free, okay? That's what we're talking about. So this is what Jesus was saying. The first area, the practical area of attack from Jesus about lust and adultery is what we see. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Practically speaking, I think what Jesus is talking about here is the things that we look at the things that we put into our eyes, right? And this is probably the most obvious one. Um, it, this is the one that is probably also maybe the most challenging because it, 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 it requires us to have very careful viewing of the things and, and, and evaluate what's going on. You know, what are we exposing ourselves to? For, and for each of us, I want to say this, that the limits will be different for each one of us, okay? I, I want to I be clear on that. There are some individuals in the room who I've mentioned pornography a couple times. There are some individuals where that is a very serious struggle, you know. For some of us in the room, porn or kind of like, like the, the desire and the grip of looking at bodies is not a, it's not a thing. 
And for, for those of you guys, it's not as big of a deal, right? But for some, it's like, that would be like saying to an alcoholic, you know, like you probably shouldn't go to the bar. But for somebody who, or even, ha- like you got to be very careful about the places you go to and the things you're involved in, right? We don't understand that. But for those people who don't have that problem, it's not as big of a deal, okay? So that's what I'm saying is that there, the limits will be different for each of us. But here's what I would say to you is that each of us have to take an extremely honest look inside and evaluate what we're viewing and how it affects us and where it leads us. That's, that's the point. Okay, so here are some areas that we should evaluate, and I put them on the screen for us. Probably the biggest one is our entertainment options, because this is where we spend a lot of our time, right? So if each one of us should take an extremely honest inventory of the TV shows that we watch, the movies that we watch, the books that we're reading, the magazines that we're reading, um, you know, social media, um, Tumblr is a good example, or Chive, you know, like there are all sorts of like places that are out there that are not literally explicitly sex, but that are sexual in nature, innuendo, um, images, whatever, right? And for some of us, we live in denial, where we're like, it's not a big deal, I can watch this show or that movie, and yeah, there's some boobs occasionally, or maybe there's like a sex scene, but I, it's okay, it's not a big deal. This is where it gets hard, because you have to take an honest, an honest evaluation. Because if you find yourself the day after, now you're looking at guys or girls on the street more, you know? If you're thinking thoughts about your spouse that you hadn't thought before, chances are it stems from that moment when you decided you were going to do something and you convinced yourself that you were stronger than you really thought you were. Does that make sense? And I understand that this is hard because we like our entertainment. But we have to make choices, right? Entertainment options. What are we exposing ourselves to in our eyes? What are we watching? Summertime, I mentioned this earlier. At the pools, vacation, there is less clothing and there is more contact with people. And if you're single in the room, this is harder. Real hard, because at parties, there's alcohol, and you want to be with people, and, and our, we're living in a culture where, where hookups are normal, and it's okay, right? We also live in a culture where there are actually people who believe that if you're married, you can have an open marriage, and it's fine to, like, sleep with somebody else, and it's not considered infidelity. Like, this is, this is the world that we live in. We have to be careful about the things that we're engaging in and the people that we're that we're looking at. And I'm not saying that you have to say no to friends. You can't go to places. What I'm saying is, is for you, we have to get serious because the destruction that's awaiting us, we're playing with fire. Pornography, I already gave an example of that. We just have to be careful. And here's Jesus' prescription. He says, cut it out. Throw it away. Get rid of it. We have to make the decision, each of us, to stop viewing those things that are causing you to sin. We have to cut it out at the source. For me, um, you know, I had struggled with pornography since I was a young, like a young teenager. I remember the first time I saw a naked picture, I was in fifth grade. And, you know, and then I would go to my friend's houses, not even looking for it, and I'd be hanging out, and then there's like a stack of Playboys up in like, you know, from his dad, my friend's dad's house, right? This is a common story for a lot of guys, okay? But for me, it grabbed a hold, and it's been something that I've struggled with all my life. And you know what I had to decide to do? I had to decide I was going to get real one day. I said, I can't, I, I can't, I am not strong enough to fight this battle on my own, no matter how hard I tried. And so I found out that there are restrictions on my phone. So I put a password on that. I had my wife put a password on my phone. 
and, and it blocks particular things. And if I want to get to a website that's innocuous, I just tell her what it is, and she'll put the code in, and now it whitelists that website, right? That's a decision that I made. I cut off at the source the opportunity that I have to do something that I knew I struggled with, right? That's like an alcoholic saying, you know what, I, I just can't be around. I'm not even going to put myself in a position. You ever had a friend, I don't know if you maybe have yet or not, but like have you ever had a friend who said, I can't come to your party, I'm not going to come, I'm uncomfortable because I don't want to drink because there's going to be alcohol there. That's kind of the same thing. And you might be like, that sounds so extreme. But if, it's, if, if you struggle with this thing, and it could be anything. It's not just pornography. It's like, and we're going to go into this second topic in a minute, not just what we see, but what we do. But it's, but it's like if you find that the pattern of your life after you view or do certain things or experience certain things leads you to a place that you feel contradicts what Jesus is saying here, then you have now a responsibility. Your eyes are now open. Jesus is saying, you've got a responsibility. You now need to take action. Remember I said at the very beginning, we are Christians. And our responsibility is to allow the words of Jesus, our Savior, our Master, to overwrite our culture. And this is something that in America we do not like. Because we have a very strong culture here. I understand this is tough. And I'm speaking to myself, and it's hard because, you know, I like popular TV shows, and I like cool movies, and it bugs the crap out of me that, like, a really awesome movie has a sex scene built into it that I don't need to watch. Why? Why is it there? Because they know that people will watch it, and they know that it grabs people and it pulls them. That's the, that's the calling card of our community, of our, of our society, right? So Jesus says, cut it off, and he says it is better to feel the initial pain of losing something that's seemingly enjoyable than then feel the long-term effect of a corroded heart and damaged relationships. Second thing is what we do. So he says, not only if your eye causes you to sin, but if your hand, right? I think practically speaking, this references to the activities that we're engaged in. What type of, here's the question, what type of behaviors are reinforcing lustful thoughts? Okay? So here's some areas we should evaluate. Our relationships, whether they're sexual or not. Do the people that we hang around with, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, are they leading us to a place where we know we shouldn't be? Are we, are we, you know, like, am I, is it taking me to activities, to events, to venues, to places? Is it introducing me to more people who are going to be more temptation for me, difficulty? This is what Jesus is saying is evaluate your relationships. Conversations, you know, guys like to talk about stuff. Ladies like to talk about stuff, right? Like you just saw a movie and you're thinking, wow, like Scarlett Johansson in the Ghost in the Shell movie. I haven't seen it yet, but it's like, you know, she's obviously wearing like a very skin tight outfit. That might be a difficulty for some guys. And so after you see the movie, you're sitting there talking about it. What kinds of conversations are we having? You know, like after you had a date with, you know, with a girl or with a guy, were you talking to your friends about, man, like, did you see what she was wearing or did you see what he was wearing or you know, whatever, right? And we do this on TV, like the fashion awards, or um, what's it called, like the Grammys or, or the, the Oscars and the red carpet, right? They, you know, these, they're dressed in certain ways. I remember several years ago, Jennifer Lopez came out wearing this outfit that almost seemed like she was wearing like, like a napkin or something that was just like barely taped on or something. I don't know. She wasn't wearing a dress, it didn't seem like. I mean, I'm making exaggerations, but this is part of our society. And then you talk about it at the water cooler the next day at work. And what is it doing? It's reinforcing the thought of what we're looking at and what we're, what we're valuing and the thoughts that are leading to. Here's one, comparison and thoughts. I know that for a lot of guys and for a lot of ladies, we compare ourselves to other people, to other relationships, and that leads us down to places that we shouldn't be thinking about. 
Look at that marriage. Oh, man, I heard that that couple has sex all the time. Crazy, like, wall-banging sex. Like, that's what I hear, right? Like, from people. And then you start to think, I should do that. And you start to wonder, why isn't my relationship like that? These are the real thoughts that people have. And this is coming from a guy who's been married 15 years and my mom and dad who just celebrated their 40th anniversary. Like, this is, this is normal. And if we're honest in the room, guys, we compare ourselves, ladies, we compare ourselves to other people and we begin to feel insecure about who we are, about the relationships that we have. And we start to, to put ourselves into positions mentally. We start to behave or engage in things that God is not calling us to, things that are unhealthy. We start to think unhealthy thoughts and those unhealthy thoughts lead to unhealthy patterns and unhealthy patterns ultimately lead to lustful actions. And then the activities and places, I already talked about that, parties and whatever, right? I mean, that's fine. I'm not, no one is saying don't go to a party. No one is saying don't watch a TV show. Remember I said the limits are different for each of you. And that's what we see even throughout the rest of Scripture in the New Testament with the epistles. You know, Paul is saying, is it okay for me to eat meat that has been offered to an idol? Someone says, no, I, I, feel, I feel guilty when I eat it. And Paul goes, I don't care. It's food, Right. And he's, he's looking at this, and he's saying, he's saying, because the issue isn't the food, is it what, is, what am I able to handle? What are you able to handle? And for each of you, it'll be different. But it's an honest look. I can't lie to myself and, and, and think, you know what, I can go to a strip club and think it's not going to affect me. Like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't, um, I can't think that way because I know it's not true. And I know that for me, Walking down Butler Street and seeing ladies in their yoga pants on the way to yoga, if I linger on that, it takes me to a place that I, that I shouldn't be. And maybe that's different for you and for each person, but I have to be honest with myself and you have to be honest with yourself. What are the things you're watching? Where are the places you're going? What are the things you're involved in? And where are they leading you? Are they leading you to a closer relationship with Jesus, to a closer place where you experience the freedom that he is calling us to? Or is it taking you to a place of more self-gratification, to a place of where at the end of the day you don't feel like you, hear, you feel God's touch on your life? That's kind of the, the thing for me. Take responsibility for ourselves and to do what is required before it is too late. We have to take Jesus' prescription to get extreme and to cut out those things and make the decision. And for both of us, for our eyes, and for our hands, I wrote this. We have to make a plan. Don't think that you're just going to walk out of here today and that, like, it's going to change. You have to make a plan. You have to decide, what is it I'm going to do differently today? You have to take some actual steps. Don't just think about it. You have to be specific. If this is something you struggle with, if this is something that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today through me, through the words of Jesus, then you're saying this area, this thing that I just mentioned, if you're feeling a twinge there, it's probably the Holy Spirit saying that this is an area I'm talking about. Be specific. Get extreme if you have to. Ask for help. Find some new friends if you need to. If your current friends are not helping you in this path, find additional friends. I'm not saying get rid of your old friends. I'm just saying find ones who will help you in this journey. Be honest pray and receive strength from the Holy Spirit. I, I believe that, that God, we, we often ignore that. Be honest with him. God, I am having a real hard time, like, saying no to these TV shows that I love or the movies that I want to watch or this magazine or a book or whatever it might be, right, for any of us. God, I'm having a hard time. Help me. Let him speak to you about what he's trying to say to you. So we'll finish here. 
what is the controversy here? Why is this a big deal? Why did Jesus choose to talk about lust and sexuality and adultery when he could have chosen a myriad of other topics? Here's what I would say, and I write this down. It's kind of the big idea. Decisive discipline prevents destroyed relationships. So everything we were talking about here, making the decision, recognizing the things that are leading us astray and making decisive decisions to say no to those, to cut them out, ultimately prevents us from the destruction that Jesus is talking about. So it goes back to adultery, yeah, like, but it starts somewhere. How does the person end up in the pool with a woman who is not his wife? How does that happen? It happens because of the look in the car. It happens in the look at the rest stop. It happens as a conversation in the restaurant, and then it goes into the pool. That was what happened in the movie. For guys or for ladies, how do we end up? You're wondering, I will never be at a place where I'm going to end up cheating on my wife or my husband. I promise you, like, it's possible for every one of us. But it doesn't just start there. It starts in the heart. That's what Jesus is saying. And if you make decisive decisions to protect yourself, you will prevent the destruction of your relationships, of your heart, of your spirit, of your relationship with God, with your marriage, with your family. You prevent all of that heartache down the road if you make the decisions now. That's what Jesus is saying. It's all about the thing that God cares about the most, and that's people. Everything that Jesus says, it's always about connecting relationships, building, healing, restoring. And all the things he's talking about preventing are things that destroy those, that build barriers and create chasms between us and between God. It's all about waking up from the drug of our culture that dulls our senses and dulls our moralities. It's all about seeing people as God has created them to be seen. It's about restoring relationships instead of seeing them left in ashes. And when we choose to protect our eyes, when we choose to protect our our hearts and guard our hearts, we are living out the value that God has placed on every one of us. And here's something. When we protect what we view and the things that we do, we are telling our husbands, we're telling our wives, we're telling our boyfriends, we're telling our girlfriends that they are important to us. And that we are honoring and protecting them because we're guarding our hearts. Decisive discipline prevents destroyed relationships. So I know that this is countercultural. I know that this is hard. That's why I wanted to sit down as a family. I wanted to just share the words of Jesus and how it impacts me and how I believe he's calling us to live. I want each of us to evaluate our hearts and our, our habits. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to convict each one of us today and to shine a light on the spaces in our hearts and our lives that need evaluated and cut out. Let's give Jesus the space to work. Would you guys stand with me? We're just going to close and pray here. respond with a song in just a moment and worship and we'll move into our giving moment. We'll close in just a second. I just want to take a quick moment to let Jesus now just challenge us and I want us to respond. I think it's important when we hear truth to say something back, to respond. The answer Jesus wants is yes, but he prefers the conversation. If there's something you want to tell him, if you're struggling with this, God, I'm I'm having a hard time here. Just give it to him and he'll speak back to you. He'll encourage you. If you want to talk about this more, I would love to get coffee or dinner with you or lunch with you. I'm by no means an expert in this. I'm just trying to share the words of Jesus and how it speaks and means to us. Father, help us. We live in a culture that it is so hard for us to live the way that you have called us to live, but I know it is possible. I know that you've given us 
so you've given us a spirit of overcoming. We are victorious. We are more than, than conquerors, your word says. The power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, but it starts with us realizing that the words you speak are truth. Allow your words now. Oh, we open our hearts to you. Sink in. Let it overwrite our DNA. Let it overwrite our thought processes and the way that we think. Help us to see other people on the magazines, on the TV shows, as we walk around our community to see them the way that you do and not through our natural human eyes and the way that we have been trained to see people. I pray that, that you would cause us to, to, to evaluate everything that we say and do and the places that we go in the light of, of this concept of lust and this concept of, of sexuality and adultery, that you would that you would cause it to be like a stink, like the smoke of, 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 of some, like a fire that we smell that, that immediately is, is like danger in our, in our eyes and our mouths and we want to run from it. I pray that that would be us. We want to hear your words and we allow them to speak to us all this week in Jesus' name, amen. Let's, uh, let's sing a chorus together and then we'll close with our giving moment in just a moment. our service today by worshiping with our giving. If you're new to Encounter or this is your first time, we're not asking you to give. In fact, our service is a gift to you. Um, we just, uh, this is for our family who says we believe in what God is doing. It's an investment in his house. We give of our tithes and our offerings to worship him. We say, God, we're putting you first. And so uh, Basket's going to come by in just a moment for our service hosts want to come forward. We consider this an act of worship. And uh, there's a couple easy ways for you to give. If you did bring a gift with you today, you can put it in an envelope, which is just right in front of your chair in the pocket there. And that is a tax deductible gift if you put your info on there. Um, but the easiest way to give, and most of our church does, is online at EncounterGiving.com. It's simple. It's easy. You can give in a variety of different ways. You can even set it up as a recurring gift. And again, this is not something that we do because we need money. It's because... We want to put God first and the things that matter most to us and our finances is a huge piece of that. And when we do, we're investing in his kingdom. Let's pray and the baskets will come around in just a moment. Thank you, Father, for every person who's in this room. Thank you that you love us and that you speak to us. And because you are true, because you are faithful, because you have shown up, because you have set us free in so many areas of our lives, we gratefully, joyfully give to you to say thank you to invest in what you're doing because I want to see my neighbor. I want to see the people across the world. I want to see people around the city experience the same thing that I do. So every person who gives today, I pray you'll bless them, that you will uh, that you will just have favor in their lives and in their relationships as we seek to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Sebastian, go around. Let's just sing one more time. Our deliverer, you are Savior. In your presence we find our strength. Over everything, our redemption guide. With us, oh, our deliverer, you are Savior. In your presence. We find our strength over everything, our defender, God, with us, you are God, with us. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. Um, I forgot to mention, we have free Bibles. If anyone needs one, this is the lifeblood of our faith. I believe God speaks truth through this, so we have them free. If you don't have a Bible, we have them at the Connection Center for you. Please grab one. And also we have these little uh, books here called Learning to Follow Jesus. They're just a seven-day guide to beginning your journey with Jesus. Or um, even just if you want to know how do I pray, how do I read God's Word, how do I think about Jesus is a great place to start. Uh, We love you guys so much. Thanks for coming today. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.